Hi guys, um, welcome back to the Emoji Podcast with your host Rohit here. Um, today we have a very, very special guest. Um, it's one of my um, friends from the network, which is a TV scheme that I'm on. Please welcome Fran. It's Francesca, hello. Oh, Francesca. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> hey. Uh, how you doing? Yeah, I'm all good. All good. The weather's really, really gloomy though. So I was like, oh my god, how am I going to get the right lighting to shine on my face? <laughs> so, today, Francesca, I've brought you here today just to talk about um, television, pretty much, because as... Yes. Oh, okay. Because um, no, as you... Fine. That's fine. Because um, as you know, we were, but we're both on the network and... Uh, we both went to the Edinburgh TV festivals, so I thought it'd be nice to talk about experiences and then talk a bit about like the future of TV and you know online streaming services and then we can talk about uh, your podcast as well if you want. Sure. Yeah. Good. All right. Let's get straight into it. So obviously the Edinburgh TV festival was like, oh my God, it was literally like a last week. Yeah, last week. Yeah, oh my god. Um, how did you find it? It was good, although um, I think I would have enjoyed being there in person more because I'm not very good at uh, sitting still and listening to things. So, <laughs> so yeah. I have to admit, I struggled a little bit with the format. Yeah, same here. Like, literally, when I was like on my computer and just listening to all the like cinemas and all like talks from all the controllers from Sky, BBC One and ITV and all the McTaggart lectures. It was like, I'm there, but I'm not. <laughs> because yeah. I'm not, not there actually in Glasgow in Scotland. And I was like, oh, this is great. I'm just gonna watch it on my laptop. And then every time, right, because I live in a supported living uh, place and every time there would always be some sort of noise. So I was like, really? <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It just didn't feel like the same. It felt really weird, don't you think? Yeah, I will admit I was hoping to be able to do it in person, but uh, coronavirus. So, But yeah. it was still a good experience. Um, I did enjoy the actual uh, network workshops a lot. So mm. at least we got to take part in that. Yeah, and I think that's the positive light of things. And like, did you have like a favourite moment from like Edinburgh or? Uh, for me, it's definitely the moment where they um, announced that Russell T Davies would be appearing. Yeah. That was extremely exciting. Yeah, that was literally amazing. Because when they, when um, Sarah said there was like a special guest, I was like, oh, who's this special guest going to be? And then she was just like being really, really uh, secretive and quiet. And then Russell just, he Davis just appeared out of nowhere. And I was like, Sarah, you've just conjured up a magic spell out of like <laughs> something from like Harry Potter or something. And I was like, oh, wow. But yeah, it was um, very, very exciting. It was just like so exciting because um, obviously he was a, he written a lot of episodes for Doctor Who, and because like uh, as well as you, um, I'm also a Doctor a big Doctor Who fan. So I was like, oh my god! <laughs> and yeah, it was just like it was literally surreal. But I think apart from that as well, there was just like. Um, uh, the development uh, workshops that uh, I did in the documentary 
And by the way, what workshops did you do? I did the BBC Children's live television. Yeah. Um, and the documentary one. Oh, cool. Um, how did you find the BBC Children's one? very good um i enjoyed the kind of interactive part of it because again not very good at just sitting and listening so um it was fun to get a chance to work with the other delegates and to um you know try and come up with some stuff on the spot and pitch even if i wasn't expecting to have to do that um and it did you know i mean i already know about how live tv works but it was nice to get more of an inside industry aspect to it yeah, um, I agree. That's uh, such a like great experience because I was thinking like, because uh, I spoke to a lot of others and the BBC uh, Children's was just like, um, it was like something different. So I was like, oh, well, this is interesting. It's just nice, a lot of nice experience to learn stuff. Uh, so I worked in like uh, development or sorry, I did the development workshop and we had to come up with like an idea uh, for like a new show and we came up with this idea of like um, a dating show where couples have to live and keep their relationship stable throughout history to so like throughout the 1900s to the 2000s and I know that's yeah. like a big 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 challenge <laughs> because there are a, lot of, a lot of things happened in like uh, from 1910 all the way to like between 1970, 80 even until now so it was like oh this is interesting but i learned a lot of stuff um did you enjoy like the mctaggart lectures uh yes um i didn't actually have to, i was not around to listen to the first one so i haven't actually seen that one but i did see the one with um jamila al jamil which i very much enjoyed yeah, I have to agree with you. It was literally like amazing because she was literally like Jamila Jamil was like really open and honest, and she's not someone that just likes is uh, sugarcoats things, but she actually just goes straight to the point, which was uh, really really rewarding. It's just uh, saying uh, like how strong, like how how far women have come in the TV industry, which is great. How far minorities have come as well, which were even better. And now that we're going through change. Um, which is kind of like uh, the next point. Do you think now, because after all we're seeing, because uh, we've got people of like, you know, people who like, uh, you know, white men just like, you know, dominating the industry. We don't have a lot of uh, minorities or a lot of people from different backgrounds um, in the TV industry. Do you think that's about to change following from this year? Um, I think there is a distinct possibility that it can change. Um, I mean, in terms of actual work, so many people that I've actually worked with in the industry have been white men, to be frank. Um, however, in my university course, um, you know, it was about 50-50 gender-wise. Um, and again, it was um, we were just above North London, so there are a lot of minorities represented there. Um, which you don't always find on other film courses because I went and looked around uh, the Bath Spa film course you know three years ago and I have to admit it was so white like it was just so white <laughs> damn so there's not like um, so, yeah so was, was there like not a single sorry um, was there not like a single like minority in sight or was it just like I mean yeah but like it was really it was just very, very middle class, if 
you catch my drift. Yeah, oh my god. Um, it was nice, it had great facilities and everyone was really nice there, but um, it was actually one of the things to put me off it. Mm. Uh, which is why I went to Hertfordshire. Okay. Um, and I think there is potential for it to change, especially if you give it like 50 years. Mm. But it's not going to change like rapidly in the next five years, I don't think. Because, mm. I mean, even just looking around at the people going into the industry now, it's still not that diverse. Yeah, uh, I still feel that um, even though there's change happening, like I went to, um, I think I went to secondary school and even when I went to uh, film school at college, it was literally like white dominated and it was like, you rarely saw someone from like of a different colour or a different background or even with like a disability or something and I was like, oh. I was just a bit like funny. I don't know. I just felt really un at ease. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, they were all like really nice people, and they really helped me out. But I was just like, it's a bit funny. Um, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like we're going in the right direction. I mean, the BBC have plunged like a hundred billion on diversity and inclusion, and obviously on the BAME force. Uh, but um on the BME um, minorities, but I just wonder where that's gonna go. I'm hoping it's going go actually towards uh, understanding of people with uh, who come from a minority and going yeah. towards kind of like training courses or even apprenticeships and not, you know, just like, oh, hi, we've got a hundred million and we're just gonna do whatever with it. It's just like, I don't, I don't, I kind of don't like fake promises, so yeah, yeah, you get my drift, I hope. Funnily enough, um, I know there's a lot of um, people are trying really hard to um, diversify the industry at the moment, but okay, I know this is going to sound very weird, but I think possibly the British film industry and the television industry is one of the few places where maybe you don't actually have to diversify when it comes to the LGBTQ plus community. Oh, okay. Like everyone's gay in the arts. Like <laughs> the only problem is, is we just have to diversify what appears on screen. But like, yeah. you can't go two feet in any arts course without bumping into someone who's queer. And so, you know, I think maybe that's the one thing where we don't need to be represented more. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, actually, I, t I totally agree. I feel like if you're represented in like one section, um, that for like say like uh, gay or uh, you know bi or LGBTQ, you could actually move on to the next thing, which is like someone with like a disability or someone of colour, and then just move on just like that. And I think that way you can you know improve representation not just uh, in like one broadcast company, but across the whole world and you know across any single like workforce or whoever you're working with and i think that's what like needs to change um and yeah um do you did you see or you didn't see the um david osoga um spectacular lecture did you no unfortunately not oh you yeah you need to see it because he talks about um racism and he talks about um so he talks about the blm movement but he also talks about his experiences as well and the fact that he's really um open and honest 
uh, is something to behold. Like he just explains it so fluently. I just recommend you just watch it. Cause it's just mind blowing. Um, did you enjoy any of the like controller talks? I didn't watch any of the controller talks. Um, I saw some of the smaller stuff. I have to admit, um, my favourite was definitely the uh, alternative Metagot lecture. Yeah. The others, I was, I mean, they were fine. I didn't really have any strong feelings about any of the others. Mm. I, f- I, I was a bit I... distracted, to be honest. Yeah, um, I, f- I feel the same because I like the Sky One controller talk um, and the Channel Five where they just talk about change and difference and diversity and all sorts of stuff and where television is going. But what they, um, what, I'm oh, sorry, what I just enjoyed most was pretty much the McTaggart lectures because they were just really real and... They're very authentic. powerful, yeah. Yeah, and they spoke about, like, what's happening, like, right now, right at this current moment. And that's what I think is more powerful than, like, anything else. And what I was hoping, because, like, I remember when we were all talking about it in the WhatsApp group, and we're always discussing about how we need change and how we need to act now and how broadcast companies um, need to like watch this because you know um, the only way you're going to make great stories um, is to diversify and get people from different backgrounds and different walks of life because everyone is uh, or comes from a different background all over the world and comes from different cultures, different countries. So that will also help their remit and it will make them make the world not just a better place, but uh, make will help see um, to treat people more equally, if that makes sense. Sorry, I'm just a bit bluffy there. Yeah, no, no I get it, I get it. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's, uh, that's pretty much my experience from um, Edinburgh. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about the future of like, television um so now we're in this current moment where change is happening everywhere um all these incidents are happening in like the world 2020 has just been like what has happened just how has this happened but i feel like it's a good moment for change so in other words where do you think tv is going um I think that it is heading in a more positive direction. Um, We've recently seen a huge leap in terms of representation on screen um, and also off screen as well. I think um, people are finally starting to loosen the ideals that they've had for film crew and creators. Um, I think the more that we diversify behind the scenes, the more we can diversify on the screen. But I mean, some good examples of how we've made those strides forwards. Um, sorry, I can hear my mum in the background. That's okay. <laughs> um, but, but I think a good example of how we, you know, for example, we've had our first female Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, we've had the amazing I May Destroy You, yep. um, which, oh my god. Uh, you know, we've seen some real strides forwards in how women are represented and how minorities are represented and how queer people are represented, which is nice. Yeah. Um, loads of lesbians on TV suddenly. I'm really appreciating it. 
yeah i've seen like a lot of that as well and i was like oh my god we're seeing real i wish i had had this when i was younger <laughs> yeah because like when you were like uh, younger there was none of this around mm-hmm. like there was just it was just as we said before it was just like white dominated you didn't see anyone who was like from a queer background or someone who was like lgbtq or someone who has a disability or someone who's come from a different race like um you know Ru- uh, RuPaul's drag uh, drag queen race yes like you would never have thought something like that would be on tv Yeah, imagine going back to 2005 and going, right, I've got to predict the future to you. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like, it's been crazy mental, but it's been good. I've really like embraced it and I've enjoyed change as well because I feel that TV is going to go really far now. Um, With all these changes um, in the process or in the making, I feel we're going to go towards a more equal and diverse culture of television where everyone is represented and not not like no one will be like discriminated but there'll be less discrimination and kind of like less stereotypes there'll always be like one or two who have the audacity to stereotype someone but yeah it'll be it'll be a little bit rarer which is quite nice to know um this is a big question um, mm-hmm. Where do you see television, right, going in the next five to ten years? Sorry, I've seen a moment to like think about this. I think, I mean, if you'd asked me this maybe a year ago, I would have given a different answer. Mm-hmm. But I think coronavirus has actually given the TV industry a massive boost in a way. Because, you know, uh, suddenly at-home entertainment has come, become a much more popular uh, thing to do. And um, I think that will change how television is made, not like just in act- the actual process, but what sort of thing is popular. Um, I think shows like, say, The Umbrella Academy, which came out during lockdown, like season two came out during lockdown and everyone went nuts over it, mostly because we were so bored. Uh, It was good actually though, I enjoyed it. Um, But I think that shows how, you know, maybe 10 years ago, people would be like, why are you so invested in a TV show? And now it's like, well, we need something to be invested in that isn't depressing. So I think lighthearted shows might become more popular. Um, I think, Recently, over the 2010s, there was a trend towards like dark and gritty, uh, Game of Thrones, um, uh, Breaking Bad, whatever. Uh, But I think with the advent of a very depressing year, I think more lighthearted, you know, good place style stuff is going to become more popular. I don't know how live television is going to fare. Um, personally, I'm not really a live TV fan. Um, reality TV just bores me to tears, but I know it's very popular with a big chunk of the population. So I think that um, that will probably make a comeback. And yeah, that's my prediction for the future. Yeah. Um, I have to agree with you. Like, I've seen like a lot of um, stay at home television, um, especially where, so I saw this uh, episode where I think Sarah Cole was just doing a, a show, like, like at home. And yeah, and that that was like, that was quite interesting. But um, so there's this uh, cooking show 
uh, called Celine and Chef, and that was just basically an indoor sh- uh, cooking show, which is, uh, I think it's on Netflix, or it might be on Amazon, I'm not sure, but it's basically, she invites her, like a different whole host of chefs, and basically she has to cook this meal, and let's say she's not, she's good at cooking, but she's not the best, so that's what makes um, for good entertainment. <laughs> and it makes for good a lot of lols as well so i still i feel like we'll see a lot more at home um tv live entertainment uh as you said um, we're gonna see a bit more dark and gritty stuff because game of no, thrones i think it's the other way around like oh. we're gonna see less of it oh oh yeah yeah we're probably people all... are sick of it to be honest yeah because i think that's how game of thrones ended because a lot of people were just like uh let's just end it right now <sighs> <laughs> Sorry, I keep thinking about final season. Oh, how what what what, what was the final season? Did you not like it, or was it like? I mean, what went right about it? Like everything was awful. Like, I I just don't understand how you can spend seven e- seven seasons like building up these relationships and character arcs and like have this real way, and then they subvert everything with the shock value. Except it's just shit. It was yeah, just stupid. It was it's like, like, oh, here's this couple. They're, they're meant to be together. They hate each other, but now they love each other. And they've had this, you know, they're finally together after like eight years. And oh no, he's just going to go off to have sex with his uh, sister and fuck yeah. with her, I guess. Uh, yeah, you know, that, that's like, that's so, me- that's like, that's so messed up. That's something, right? You'd see in something like Paranormal Activity. <laughs> it's just like, I was like, where are we going? What? I think about halfway, I was like, I was like, okay, well that was. It's just uh, really bad storytelling. Like, yeah. You know, doing something for shock value, unless it like actually fits in with a the plot, then it's just bad writing. Yeah, it just was really, really, really messed up. I was just, I was just, you were just building all that momentum. You're like, yes, we're getting excited for it, and just like the final season's just like, great. <laughs> well, Pretty much. It deserve to end then I guess uh but yeah well, that's what I see just live entertainment and just stuff like that I think we'll see a lot of um indoor documentaries as well um because documentaries are still a thing of, among people this may not like interest I've a seen lot. a lot of um inside the coronavirus wards you know like yeah so there's still a lot of like that happening obviously obviously as you said reality will always be reality I'm not really a fan of reality because I think people the... are going to turn a lot to escapism um, yeah. and more cheerful escapist dramas are going to become more popular and they already are on the rise like Thor Ragnarok what a masterpiece yeah. um, and I think that shows kind of what direction um, television will take as well because people are sick of depressing shit yeah they're just you know Thor, Thor Ragnarok because the moment is like amazing I love so that good. show it's... Oh, so um, but yeah, because they don't want to see a lot of depressing stuff, like, I think someone mentioned in the group, like, we want to see more light-hearted stuff, like, I'm seeing a lot of stuff, I know, you know, although racism's been a big thing, and, you know, a lot of, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, and obviously, like, even I've, like, all of us have encountered it at some point in our lives, uh, well, maybe it's not, that's not fair to say, I think it's just, like, a, a portion of people, like, encountered it. You kind of get what I mean, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, so, but I think we want to see more just light-hearted, funny stuff. Maybe even like a, 
a cool witty like panel show that could be like pretty interesting um or even like a, a good comedy skit or something like that because that will kind of look at the funny side of life and it will yeah. kind of take th- people away from like all the depressing of like oh no so people like you know unfortunately passing away because of coronavirus or this is happening or a police cop uh, has done this by the way i don't believe that all police cops are bad but uh, yeah but that's what i'm trying to get across it's just we just want to see more light-hearted stuff um and i think finally just before we uh, finish um we want, I want to talk a little bit about your podcast. Yes. Um, which is called The Pilgrimage Saga, if I'm yes. correct. Um, would you like to explain a little bit more about it? Okay, so to summarise, it's about a group of five humans and an AI aboard their ship heading back to a potentially destroyed Earth uh, about a century after their species kind of made a voluntary self-expulsion from the planet Earth and sought asylum on a neighbouring alien planet. Um, However, they are facing a lot of uh, dastardly plans and um, uh, a lot of people who don't want to reach Earth for various reasons that you'll have to listen to the show to find out. And um, it has a lot of major themes of finding humanity and hope and basically redemption. Oh, that sounds like uh, really exciting. It sounds like um, trying to find home, but you've got all like all these people in your way, and they're, they're just like you're Basically, not. Yes. <laughs> you're just like you're not entering Earth. You must pass us, or you'll never see Earth again. <laughs> Slightly more subtle, but yes. Oh, okay, fair enough. It's uh, more like uh, it's it's very anti-government. Uh, oh. I, it, I actually originally started writing it. Um, in 20, you know, I came up with the idea in 2016 um, during the height of the Syrian refugee crisis, um, which I was in a, a modern production of the Odyssey, um, in which they had taken inspiration and, um, you know, Odysseus washed up as a refugee and had to seek asylum with a group of Trojans. Which I don't know if you know the Odyssey, but that's yeah, bad news. Um, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> wow. Um, and it really inspired me because I hadn't actually thought about it that much until I acted in the play and I started to research it and I decided to write an allegory for it um, in the hope that I could maybe raise some awareness about what it's like to be on the other side of the channel, as it were. Sorry, sorry, there we go, sorry. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to raise some empathy for the people who were fleeing these crises, crises, and, um, you know, was trying to raise awareness of what it was like to be them. Oh, that sounds really cool, because it sounds like, it sounds like, um, a space intergalactic adventure of trying to find home, and I kind of like the space and the, you know, being in, like, um, well, not say like, a different planet, but just trying to find your way home. Uh, does it? I don't know. I, I'm always. I'm thinking from your like uh, from your like uh, audio drama podcast that from the Pilgrimage Saga. But I think it's something similar to Wally. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, I don't. There's maybe like just... maybe a touch of Wally in there. 
It's, I would say it's more similar. Um, there's a series of books, you can actually see them on my bookshelf, um, called The Wayfarers series by Becky Chambers. Um, yeah. I also did take some inspiration from there because Becky Chambers is one of the best writers. Oh, she's so good. Agreed. Um, and, you know, um, her work has been described as kind of alien anthropology. Uh, it's really beautiful. And I kind of wanted to use an alien environment to explore um, what it is to be human, which is quite a common theme in sci-fi. You can find it in most sci-fi things, to be honest. Like from, uh, you know, for example, Isaac Asimov uh, wrote loads of stuff along those themes, um, utilizing robots as a foil for um, Cubans. So yeah. yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah, it's just the, the sci-fi um, bit is just like, it's what really fascinates me about because I like learning about different worlds and how, you know, robots and humans and how you can be aliens on different planets and finding out how everything ties together. I'm just, I'm just like a space geek. <laughs> space is great. Space, I mean, space is just like um, amazing. Like one day, I'm, I don't know if you have this dream, but I, I, before I pass away, um, I actually want to go to space and just like visit Mars or you know just wander around in like the space realm or try and live in it in my fantasy world. <laughs> I think um, if I could make one dream come true I would love to meet an alien. That is uh, a real dream I have because I am a hundred percent convinced that you know I mean there is definitely life out there in the rest of the universe. Uh, but I would like to meet it in my lifetime, that would be nice. You know, I mean, 2020 has been shit, I deserve some recompense. <laughs> yes, agreed. So, so, so agreed with that. Agreed totally. Yeah, it would be nice to meet an alien and be like, hello, and you'll be like, blah, 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 <laughs> like, In this hypothetical world, I'd hope I'd be able to communicate with it. Yeah, I'm like, uh, so you, you, uh, you, what, you speak uh, English? Uh, I don't know, maybe not. Okay. Maybe uh, like a translator or something. Yeah. Know. Okay. Uh, we explore world, yes? Okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there'll be a translator for that stuff. Um, uh, just one more thing. Um, if you, so let's say we turn back time and, right, you wanted to change something about uh, that you were involved with or you wanted to change an instant uh, back in time, what would it be? And also, what would you tell your younger self, uh, let's say five or 10 years down the line? Um, I'm not sure I'd want to change anything major because I actually quite like where I've ended up. But I would like to change something from two days ago. Because uh, yesterday I discovered my, fa my perfect job on the BBC Careers website that I was like one hour too late to apply for. So if I could go back in time, I would uh, go and apply for it because I really, really wanted that job. My word! Wow. Um, what was that like? Um, was it like uh, I'm sort of being a bit nosy, but what BBC job was that? Was it like in development or something? Uh, in casting. Oh wow! Awesome. Oh no! Hopefully they have another <laughs> casting role available. And then you could be like, yes, there's another customer or whatever, I'm definitely applying for yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so that is what I would go back in time and change right now. Uh, 
Um, if I had any advice for my younger self, um, probably just not to be so embarrassed of everything, because um, once you get to a certain age, you're not embarrassed by anything anymore, and you actually don't yeah. give a shit what people think. Yeah. So if I could try and like get that mindset into myself a bit earlier, that would be nice. Yeah, um, I think for me, like, if I had to go back in time and change something, uh, I wouldn't really change anything. Uh, I think what I've learned through through school and stuff like that, even though I kind of got bullied like uh, in school, and learning through all sorts of different challenges and going all through these emotions and stuff like that, I think I've enjoyed that. Is like as odd as it sounds because it, I think it's like quite normal and there's nothing I would like ever change because I'm here now and I meet I've met you and I've met um, the rest of the other uh, guys and girls on the network so like I just wouldn't change anything I just I feel like I am who I am um, if anything what would I tell to my younger self go for it because you're gonna do it anyways <laughs> simply because um i was afraid of like doing stuff like i was afraid of skydiving uh, at one point which obviously everyone that sometimes is and gets worried about that stuff so i went to barcelona uh, you cannot get me skydiving oh dear <laughs> is skydiving not your forte there are a lot of things that are not my forte, but falling out of a plane is definitely quite high on that list. Oh wow. Okie dokie, that's something I'll, something I'll keep in mind then. <laughs> it's never something I've done and I have no intention on doing it, so... Okie dokie, well that's, yeah, don't have to do it uh, if you don't feel like to. Um, so I thought, let's try it. And we got to the, so there was a, we had to go on a plane which was like 10 feet above the ground and I was like, no, stop this, I'm not doing this. I am not doing this. And my friend said, you're going to do it anyways. And I was like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so we did it anyways and it was quite enjoyable just flying through the air. It was kind of like you were like Batman just flying through the sky or like having your hands held out like this, like their wings or like something. And yeah, it was enjoyable, but yeah, if I had a younger self, I'd just say just to do it anyways and not to give a damn about what people think because uh, life's too short for that. And well, I sometimes think that, you know, that jealousy or that, you know, animosity for, you know, me or you or someone else is just like extra motivation to do it more. It's just like extra fuel to like the rocket ship, if you get what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, in other words. Um, I think, so that's it. We've come to the end of the episode. Um, thank you so much for your time, Francesca. Um, it's been really enjoyable to have you on the show because I've actually uh, wanted to do something like this for, not for a while, but for like a few days. And I'm glad that we've got this um, to happen. Have you enjoyed being on the show? Yeah, it's been great. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, no worries. Um, so guys, um, I'm going to leave a link to the Pilgrimage Saga. Please go and watch it and listen to it. Well, you can listen to it, but I don't know if you can watch it. <laughs> there is nothing to watch, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but trust me, it is like so enjoyable because I think I'm on uh, season two and I'm... Oh my god, that fast? Yeah, I know. I've been binge watching it 
you've got a some number one super fan over here. <laughs> yeah. Fist bump. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, go go ahead and watch it. I'll link it in the description. Uh, thank you so much, Francesca. It's really Can I just show. quickly add? We also yeah. have merchandise for sale, um, which the link can be found on the website. And we have very cool posters, badges, um, mugs, pretty much everything that you could want. Oh wow, that's awesome! I'll be I'll be make I'll be sure to buy one of them. And be like, hey, Francesca, I've got one. Yeah. But yeah, uh, thank you for being on the show. Um, this is your host, Rohit, and this is Francesca. Um, have a great day, everyone. And yeah, see you soon. Bye.